0: Distress from within. What do you do when you're stressed up? Exercise?
1: What if after exercise you're still stressed up? Eat? <laughs> okay. <laughs> the ultimate solver. <laughs> what else? Exercise. Eat. Call a friend. Sleep, that's a good one. Well, one of the better ways, I think. <laughs> but what if you're so stressed up that you can't even sleep? That can happen, right? Yeah? You're so stressed up, so tense, even the body is tired, the mind won't relax. And when the mind is not relaxed, the body is also not relax. So it has no chance to sleep, even if it's tired, if it's all stressed up. So what to do? Some more. What else? He says, repeat some mantra so that you can sleep. Maybe for some people it works out, Yeah. Maybe for some people, the more you repeat, more you cannot sleep. Become more busy. That might work in some situation, depending on the situation. I'm surprised that nobody said, Go to a spa. <laughs> Have you gone to the spa to de-stress? Have you? might be a bit expensive. (laughs) Or you make your own eye, you know, get one of those things, soak yourself inside. Yeah, there are many ways to de-stress ourselves. And we're talking about eating and sleeping and exercise. A lot of ways that we use are quite external. We depend on something external here what I want to show you is how we can distress ourselves from within, internally. During the Buddha's time, of course, nobody goes to a spa. (laughs) There's none to go to, although they had sauna. A sauna is not for the purpose of distressing, it's for the purpose of health. It is too damp. So, now, if you're all stressed up, you may be so stressed up that you can't sleep, Understand that this is not something that just happened. It's something that has accumulated, right? Accumulated and accumulated. Preferably, you don't start. Preferably, you don't start getting stressed up. But then, people do get stressed up anyhow. Yeah, nobody wants to be stressed up. But when we are so eager to get something done, we get stressed up. When we are desiring very much to change a particular situation that we can't change, we get very stressed up. especially a person. We don't like the person being the way the person is. And we are thinking this way and that way and this way. And how can I change this person? Then you also get stressed up, And it can be a lot of people, by the time they know that they are stressed, it's not just about one thing, it's about many things this, that, that, that. And when the mind is really stressed out, it doesn't look at things properly anymore. It tends to distort its understanding of things, its perception of things. Somebody says something, it takes it negatively, and it adds up even more. So stress creates more stress. For a lot of people, by the time you realize that, wow, you're really stressed out, it has already become quite strong, very, very strong. Why do we get stressed up? If you want to de-stress, we need to know why. Why do we get stressed up? Just now I mentioned some, but generally what's the idea behind it? If you were to sum it up, what's the cause of stress? Expectation, okay, that's one side of it. Yeah, but not always expectations. I mean, expectations, well, it leads to various things, are. so in one way you could say that, yeah, this is a big one. It covers quite a range of things. But, uh, there's a Buddhist term for the cause of stress. What's that? Desire. Attachment. Samo. Dissatisfactoriness, craving. How about defilements? So you cover everything, right? (laughs) So the mind is defiled. One important thing to remember when you say the mind is defiled is that it's like a piece of cloth, a clean piece of cloth. When it's dirty, are those dirt part of the cloth? Does it originate from the cloth, the dirty parts, the dirty particles? Not right? It comes from elsewhere. The same thing applies to the mind. When the mind is defiled, remember that the thing that defiles the mind is not from the mind. Not only is it not yours, it doesn't even belong to the mind. This is important to understand. It is said in the sutta as ganduka, as visiting. So now, when the mind is defiled, how does it sink? How does it think? Does it think in a calm way? Very negative, right? Yes. So in one sutta the Buddha talked about how to deal with these negative thoughts. And it's actually because of these negative thoughts that we get very stressed up. So if we look at this cause, if you are stressed up, if you really check, you find that the mind is very, very negative. Right? It looks at things with anger. or It wants something. I, I need that. Can you please change? It has a lot of such desire, a lot of defilements, and it's very distorted. It believes that it needs something that it actually doesn't need. So you have greed, you have anger, you have delusion, and often you also notice fear. Fear that things might not turn up the way you want it to be. So, various kinds of fears, various kinds of desires, various kinds of anger and delusion. In up, it's just lots of defilements, and it comes in the form of thoughts. There's this sutta It's called the Dr. Santana Sutta it's in Machima Nikaya. It talks about five ways to settle all these thoughts. I copied it down so that I make sure I get everything right. Number one is to direct the mind to a skillful theme. The word skillful here is kusala. And kusala is often translated as wholesome. But skillful is a better translation. And the word kusala can be translated to English as simply good, right? you're good at archery, or you could also say skillful at archery. It doesn't necessarily have to be something that has to do with morals, or something that has to do with spirituality. It's just skillful. And I think for Ben Tamisaro, who began to translate it as skillful, I think it's a much better translation. So what is a skillful theme? What is something that's skillful that the mind could direct itself to? There's another sutta that talks about when you are very angry with somebody, how can you calm down the angry mind? And I think this one applies here. How to direct the mind skillfully? When we are angry at somebody, well, we think that we focus on that person, but not exactly. We're focusing on what we don't like about that person. Right? He's like this, he's like that, she shouldn't be like this, she shouldn't be like that. you are focusing on what we don't like about that person. And in this other sutta, the Buddha recommend that we contemplate, we consider. Alright, okay, this person, although he has this bad behavior, he does this, but there are also good points about him. Even if he's doing something that really don't like, but not always. of well, because when the mind is very, really, very really angry, we talk in terms of, he's always like that one. Never this or that. Yeah? So when you direct your mind, to really consider, is it really true he's always like that? Never one. Usually when we use always and never, we are wrong. Right? So you can look at how he could be actually not what you think he is. There are times that he's not. And the sutra recommended things like if he has a certain behavior, a physical behavior, he does something that you don't like. But you could also consider that his verbal behavior, maybe he could sometimes say something very nice. Or you could think like mentally, but perhaps outside he says something unkind, but maybe he didn't completely mean that. Not always. It's not always like that. So he contemplated on how the other aspects of this person, and not what you're focusing on. To consider those things, is he always like this? Does he have some good points? So that's skillful. When you remind yourself to think that way, it doesn't mean that you forget the other one, but you get a more balanced view of the person. and the mind can come down. Or if you have certain views about yourself, yeah, we can get quite stressed up because of some negative beliefs that we have about ourselves. You want to do something and get something done, you think that you're no good, maybe somebody says something and you you take that to mean that, oh yeah, that's true, I'm really no good, I'm useless then you can get really stressed up, isn't it? You're afraid that you can't get things done. And sometimes you might be afraid that people might find out how useless you are. There's this a recent article I read about. Title is Do you feel like an imposter? Do you feel like you're a fake? Do you feel like you're not really how other people think you are? You are not as good. And it's just a matter of time that somebody will find out. So all this kind of thinking is quite stressful. You live in fear that people might find out how bad you are. And you're already thinking again and again about how you're not that good. And perhaps because you think you're no good, you try very hard to prove that you are good. You try to prove to everybody I'm somebody, which was what happened to me <laughs> in the past a lot. I tried to prove myself, and that was stressful. Even giving a talk was stressful. Make sure that I don't say something wrong. Make sure that I manage to impress people or how well I can give a talk. Oh, it's a very stressful way of giving a talk. I've learned not to do that. <laughs> and to learn not to do that is to not only notice this idea that I try to portray myself is fake, and let that drop, and also to see what's underlying it, the negative thoughts about myself. So when you have a lot of negative thoughts about yourself, again, you need to look at what's positive about you. This is skillful. It's skillful because it helps the mind to be happy. It helps the mind to calm down. When the mind is happier, it calms down. So therefore it's skillful. So you need to deliberately think about what's good about you in this case. It doesn't have to be something big or uh, I'm wealthy or a lot of people like me or that I look good or that I own this or own that. It doesn't have to be those physical things. Just look at things that we tend to take for granted, simple things. Like for example, are you surviving? Are you doing well? Are you you have a job? Assuming you have a job, then you can use that. You have a place to stay. There's one lady who had this strong belief that she's incapable, she's not capable. That's why she's saying, I'm not capable. And I found that very strange to say, one way you're not capable? She said, well, I'm incapable, I, I cannot do a lot of things, I'm incapable. <laughs> she doesn't have any proof. So, I said, well, do you have a job? Yeah. So, you mean people are paying you to do something? So, meaning capable, right? Otherwise, who's going to pay a person who can't do anything? So, she has this idea that she's incapable, and uh, there seems to be no proof that idea is true. So we need to question it. Well, eventually for her, we realize that it has to do with how her parents have been telling her things, criticizing her. So there's this fixated thought, fixated idea in her head, I'm incapable. Useless. So in order to balance the mind, you know, in this situation we need to think in terms of what you are capable, right? Can be very simple. Are you capable of holding the mic? Yeah, quite capable. Are you capable of sitting up? You're sitting fine? Capable? You're capable of uh, putting on clothes? Capable of going to the toilet on your own? Well, I'll tell you, when you're young, you couldn't, and when you grow old, one day you also cannot. Yeah? Meanwhile, you can. Well, of course, these are really simple things you can think of more. You're capable of having friends, capable of driving a car, capable of doing work, which you're paid for. For each of you, you have many, many things to think about. And therefore, when you think like that, the mind sees, oh, okay, I'm not just always like that. I also have things that I'm capable of doing. Then it's more balanced. Then when it's balanced, then the negativity settles. So you can apply for any other thing. Yeah, to think of something that helps the mind something skillful, a skillful way to help the mind to uplift itself and so that the negativity can settle. So this number one. Number two if the first one doesn't work, then you scrutinize the drawbacks of these thoughts. Like say you are hanging angry thoughts towards somebody, and it goes on and on and on, and by the time you realize it, it has gone on for a long, long time, it has gotten the momentum. So even if you try to think about how good that person is, no, that's not going to work. It keeps going to the negative ones. So you scrutinize the drawbacks of thinking like that. You think like, for example, when you get angry. So how do I feel when I get angry? How many of you feel good when you get angry? Uh, Sometimes you do when you scold that person. Yeah? Suit over there and it's shock. And because of this shock, we continue to do until no more shock already. You're miserable because anger creates a lot of poison in the body. It's a very poisonous thing. You no longer feel comfortable. So by then, you can't just look at the positive. It, the mind is very, very unwilling to do that. Then you have to look at the the negative of the negative. You have to look at what anger brings you. You check for yourself. How do you feel when you get angry? How does it feel like in the body? It's very easy to notice. Yeah. How does it feel like for you when you're angry? How does your body feel like when you get angry? Heart. Uh, one lady said boiling. <laughs> it's <a> very graphic <laughs> description. What else? How do you feel when you get angry? Just hot, huh? What else? Heartbeat faster. Some people say they shake. Well, I was in typing before I, I left. There was one lady who said she went to Burma for this tour together with a group of friends, all these Buddhist friends uh, to go for a tour in Burma. And something triggered one of them who became so angry. And she said she has never seen a person so angry before in her life. So angry that her eyes turned red. <laughs> I don't remember seeing one. So, eyes turned red. <laughs> they thought something got into her, you know. Possessed. Well, it's true, not possessed by anger. Completely taken over. And they call it a volcano. <laughs> Somebody told it volcano, and everybody was calling it a volcano, the, the volcano event. You may have not have come to that point, but you know yours, right? When you get angry. So if you find yourself not able to think of the positive ones because they've gotten so, so strong, then you can look at the negative of the negative. What does this negative thought do to you? you? look at it again and again and again and again. For me, it's very easy. That once I see, oh, I don't want to do this. And it's very easy that the mind will settle. Because it's so unpleasant continuing that way. You need to see very clearly how it is. Because if the mind doesn't get it, it doesn't see clearly how it is, it still wants to go there the momentum is very strong, it still wants to continue to repeat these negative thoughts. So you need to really see clearly how negative this this negative thing is. And when the mind gets it, okay, yeah, really, wow, this is really unpleasant, then it would want to stop. So if you continue to pay attention to that person, probably you (laughs) even try to see the positive ones, you wouldn't, you just keep going to the negative. And it just gets more. Okay, so number one is, think skillfully to direct your mind in a skillful way, yeah, so that the mind is uplifted. To think of something that's calming, and something that is opposite of what you're thinking of. And I want to remind you, and this is not for the purpose of covering or pretend that the other one doesn't exist, that you don't think like that. No. This is only for the purpose of balancing the mind. You know? Covering up, that's avoidance, that's suppression. As children, we do that too. Like say when our parents, scholars or haters, even for a lot of people when they're grown up already, they tend to think like, although at that time they didn't like it, they were very angry, very sad and all that, but later they turn the mind to think, oh, actually they meant, well, it's for my own good and all that. You might think this is a good way to think, but it has a problem too. When you think like that, that all demand well, in other words, you're justifying that way of upbringing. And when you justify that, you take that as right, you find yourself doing the same to your children, or to your employees, anyone that you see as your subordinate, lower in the hierarchy, or ranking. Because you condition the mind to think that this is right. So that's not helpful.
0: And the second way,
1: that is to scrutinize the drawbacks of thinking in a negative way. Okay, remember the two? Right. Is that one, pay no attention. If even by scrutinizing the drawbacks of that, the mind is still wants to go on and on and on means it's very strong already. It's very, very strong. Then you have no choice but to pay no attention. You have no choice. For people with major depression, they have to do this. They have to just pay no attention. They have to do things like being conscious of them walking about, doing work and all that. A lot of people do that. Yeah, when they're depressed, they try to do other things. If they still have the energy, uh, yeah. when you're depressed, you lose vitality. So if you have still have the energy, you try to do this and do that. But again, it should not be done with the wrong attitude. It should not be done with the attitude of avoidance. It's only for the purpose of settling the mind. And when the mind is settled, if we ever want to be free from something, we need to eventually look at it to understand it. We can't be not paying attention for the rest of our lives. It's not practical. It is not possible. Even if you don't pay attention visually, or you don't see the person, you don't hear the person, or or the place or situation, the mind can still think about it, right? You try not to see a person when you lie down in your bed, you start to see already. So, you still come back and you can't be continuously doing this. But for a person with major depression, I think this is really really necessary to do things like just walk up and down, noticing you're walking down, go sleep, go do gardening while being conscious of what you're doing. Not gardening and not being conscious. Somebody earlier mentioned eating. Yeah, as a way to de-stress there are various ways to eat you can be eating mindfully being aware of what you're doing and you can be eating unmindfully right I remember one time this oh long time ago when I was in UC went to the shop bought a plate of rice set up the table started eating and then at the end of the eating I realized oh Finish eating already. Have you had that happen to you before? You know, in the middle of the eating, you just don't remember what happened. And if you contemplate back, you realize that, oh, the mind was thinking and thinking and thinking about something. You might not even remember what it was thinking about. Just shoo, 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 shoo. So this is not what I mean by pay no attention, but to direct the mind to something that is neutral. So it could be your breathing, it could be moving about, Could be gardening, could be washing or cleaning, something useful, yeah. Since you're not gonna pay attention to something that's negative, you might as well do something useful. So you do that. So number one is skillful thing, number two, scrutinize the drawbacks, number three, pay no attention. Number four there is a simile that comes with number 4. After number one, two, three, doesn't work, you go to number 4, and I'll give you the simile first. It's interesting. It says it's like a person who, moving very fast, after moving for a long time, moving very fast, he decides, okay, why don't I slow down? So he slows down from running, he goes to walking. After walking for a while, I think, hmm, walking is tired, and why not just stand? And he stands. Then after a while, why don't I sit down? And he sits down. And later, when I lie down, he lies down. It's about relaxing bit by bit. And maybe this is something similar to going to a spa, <laughs> where it's relaxing bit by bit, but you don't have to go to a spa. It's about relaxing the thought formations, or thought fabrications, as Renvo Tamisaro prefer to translate it. How to relax the thought fabrications. In the uh, sutta, I don't see any details of what it meant. But there's a connection between thought fabrication and physical fabrication. There's a term in the sutta called Gaya Sankara. How many of you have read the Anapanasati instructions? Anyone? Anapanasati? Anybody? Nobody? Oh, one. Okay. So... In the fifth part, first you have you are aware of the uh, breathing in and out. Then when you are aware of it doesn't use what you wear; it's used with prajna. That you can see aware. It could also mean discern. You are discern the breathing in and breathing out. Then you discern whether the breathing in is long uh, or short, and the breathing out as well is when it's long. You know it's long. Short, you know it's short. Then number four, you breathe in, experiencing. The entire body. Now here is where it differs from popular understanding of Anabhanasadhyaya. It's just focused here and here and here. It says you breathe in, experiencing the entire body. You breathe out, experiencing the entire body. And the last one, it says tranquilizing or calming the bodily fabrications. You breathe in, tranquilizing the bodily fabrication. You break out. This is how you train. This is how you train yourself. So it's about allowing this. When the mind is negative, there's a lot of movements in the body, right? When you say heart, there's a lot of activities. And these are the fabrications. In my experience, I've done this too. When um, the mind is tense, it's things and things and things, just by paying attention to the tension in the body. And when the body relaxes, the mental fabrication also relaxes. There's no need to scrutinize the drawbacks and etc. But perhaps by scrutinizing the drawbacks, it's something faster and um, it has a longer impact. It has a much stronger impact and it lasts longer. Just by calming this down, the mind likes to go back. So therefore, you can use that one first. But when you don't have a choice, you have to rely on this when the defilements are so, so strong and you feel so stressed out, you have to rely on something more physical and to calm down. You don't have to do this while sitting down. and You certainly don't have to close your eyes. You can be doing this while walking too or standing. And for some people, they we'll stand with a lot of tension in their body, start to move, 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 shake, shake, shake. And that's fine too. Yeah. So... To allow the bodily fabrications to come down would lead to the coming down of the mental fabrications. Always oh, doesn't call it the mental fabrication; it's thought fabrication. The last one is a strange one, and you might not think this is a Buddhist way. What is found in the Sutta? That's the reason why it's the last one, because it's something very very strong the thoughts that are going on are very, very strong. And so you need something very, very drastic. And drastic way is, according to the Sutta, you clench your teeth <laughs> and you press your tongue against the palate. Now, don't clench too hard, line, but break your teeth. You clench,
0: go, Aah!
1: and maybe because you use so much energy in the body, there's no energy to think. It doesn't say how it works, right? <laughs> There's nothing in the Sutta that explains how it worked, but that's the uh, suggestion given. Just as a person when he's mentally ill, really, really mentally ill, uh, gone berserk, you need something very drastic, like ECT. You know what's ECT? Yeah, Sh- shock therapy. So that means something drastic because that... There are no other ways that it's working. So you need something drastic. Hopefully we don't have to get to that point, lah. <laughs> yeah. So you can give yourself this something drastic. Is to... But then again, of course, you can't do this forever. So this one, maybe you could kind of go here, and then later you move on to the others. I believe the purpose here is, as I said just now, is to Really pull all the energy into the body. For some people, they don't do this. They go do extreme kind of uh exercise. Maybe that helps too. Yeah, he was saying exercise. Maybe this is suggested uh, by the Buddha to monks because very strange for monks doing extreme exercise. <laughs> so this is the exercise. Just tighten up the whole body, clench the teeth and, and then let go. And maybe try again, do it again and let go. And do it again and let go. I don't know how well this would work, you try it all yourself. <laughs> if anyway, you think you need it. <laughs> if somebody wonder what you're doing, you say, I'm relaxing. <laughs> Actually, in psychotherapy, they do teach something like that too. Yeah, you know, when you're stressed, they tell you to tighten up the body and you relax it. So, there's some connection. I don't know how they got that idea, maybe they just found on their own, but you find something similar in the suttas. Although it's not so tense, some of the psychotherapy method is that where you you shout. You shout very loud as a way to release tension, but very strange for a monk to do that. So maybe that's why the Buddha didn't recommend it. Yeah? So the way the Buddha recommends is uh, more moderated. So these are the five ways. Shall I repeat them? Yeah. So number one, to direct the mind to a skillful theme, something that helps the mind to be inspired, to be uh, happy about, so that the mind can calm down. If that doesn't work, you scrutinize the drawbacks of these default thoughts, these negative thoughts, the negative side of this this negative mind. Actually, it's very negative, but Sometimes you go like to see some positive side, so you look at the, the pain that is bringing you, the disadvantages of, of having this on. Next one, you pay no attention, and go to something else. Try your mind to some activity. Fourth, you relax the thought fabrication. My suggestion is to use the body to check how the body feels and allow it to relax. And number five, you beat down dog by clenching your teeth and press your tongue against the palate and I suppose the rest of the body you could also tense up. And then relax. So these are the five ways. Number one cannot, number two, number two cannot, three, three cannot, hopefully can already, uh, uh, cannot, but four, then there's five. Five cannot, better see a doctor. <laughs> Okay, so that's what I have for this talk. Um the five ways that you could be from within. So if you have questions, I'll be happy to hear
0: them. Regarding the third method, not paying any attention, how do you know whether you are running away from that which is stressing you and that you're actually just not paying in, being in any neutral position?
1: The important thing in any way that we use the important thing is the attitude. What are you doing that for? It's the attitude. What are you doing that for? If you're doing it for the sake of running away to don't pay attention forever and ever and ever, then yes, that's running away. That's avoidance. But if you're doing this just for the sake of allowing the mind to settle first, then it's not. My teacher, Siadotai at one time, when he was a, a layman, he suffered from depression. Early on, he had practiced meditation. Now, So you wonder, how come a person who had practiced meditation also can get depressed? And he supposedly, he had already practiced a lot and was quite good in it. The reason was, he stopped practicing. He'd stopped practicing for a few years before he got depressed. He completely stopped. So... He said, that's why the farmers have a chance." So when he got depressed, it happened this way. He found himself in this depressed state, and he had the mental strength to push it away, just mm, managed to push it away. eventually he, he managed and it, it was okay. It was okay for maybe about a month or so. Then it happened again, this time stronger. You see, when you push away like this, probably he was using more like the fifth way. <laughs> he jumped straight to number five, and your attitude is to just to push it away and don't want to see, don't want to understand it. It'll come back in a stronger way. So when he came back, what did he do? He did it again. He had that mental strength to push it off, and it worked again. But then later on, he came back, and this time, even stronger. When he came back for the third time, he decided, okay, I, I need to try another way. This is not working. In fact, it's getting worse. So he had that wisdom to stop trying the old way. Yeah, Some people will continue trying and trying, and they cannot really, still they try. But he had that wisdom to stop doing that and he realized that he needs to understand this situation that he got himself into. But to start off, he couldn't just face it directly. I was told by Bhante Akachita, who had a good talk with him about what he did. In the beginning, he had to bring his attention to breathing for some neutral object. Only after doing that for some while that he could face the depression. So... His intention wasn't to avoid this depressive state forever and ever. His purpose was to allow the mind to come down first because if you pay attention to the neutral object, and the mind is easier to come down. So eventually when that happens, he gets back to this to see what it is. Or at least you don't have to zoom your attention inside No, but just to be willing, that's all. To be willing to face it when it comes up. And because he had such a strong... Depressive uh, feelings. He found it very, very necessary to keep up his mindfulness all the time. And he was still working; he was taking care of his father's uh, shop. And while he working, he practiced his paying attention himself. He said, "No choice. Because if he doesn't do it, the mind would just slip into that, and he would suffer a lot. So he had no choice; he had to keep his mind aware, alert." Because when the mind is aware and alert, the depression has no chance to take over the mind. It's still there, but it doesn't overwhelm the mind. So he said, no choice, forced to practice. And he accredited that experience to a lot of his wisdom. Because because of that, he practiced a lot and understood many things. His meditation progressed while having depression. And he said, uh, although he dropped the practice, he stopped practicing for some years. All his earlier experience of practicing wasn't a waste. He had to recall what he did in the past, how he practiced, how he managed emotions. All his past experience came to good use. For people who are already depressed, not having some past practice before, a bit difficult. Lah. <laughs> it's not a bit, a very difficult. <laughs> so for him, he had the experience, he had the knowledge, he had the skills. So he was able to recover just by practicing mindfulness.
0: So hope that answers your question. Anyone else? See, now, see, we are all, uh, laymen, laypersons, you see. Every day we might encounter many problems. So these problems are uh, great stress, uh, especially Normally, we cannot even sleep. We bring all the negative thought into our mind. Is it quite natural for us laymen? I do not know about monks' life. But you know, human being every day we're facing a lot of problems. especially those are uh, working and then have a family life to, to support. Okay, take for example my son now. He heard that his company is not doing well. Then he did not pay for two months. Is see. So. She not tendering his uh resignation. So I believe now he's a way to, to our country to work. I believe he's also very stressful, see. So as a parent, see also stress up also. See. So this uh, everyday human being a life affairs, see. I also do not know how to solve this type of call uh and uh, nature problem. See.
1: So is it natural to get stressed up? For lay people, actually for monks also is natural. <laughs> Stress doesn't choose people by how you wear, or whether you have hair or not. It's not something that's decided by outward appearance. It's decided by the mind, right? Just as meditation is about the mind, deformance the is also about the mind. So if your son is, uh, well, you don't really know if he's stressed out, right? Do you know I'm asking you you're believing that he's stressed up, but can you be sure? Can you be sure? yes or not? You can be sure you read his mind, huh? yeah i'm I'm not saying that he's not stressed up. Let's deal with him first. I'll come to you later so. He's stressed up. Is that true? Can you be sure? Okay. So believe, so... Yeah, I'm saying that he's not. We're just asking a question. Whether you can be sure. Okay, okay. Alright, fine, fine. That's okay. Just just checking, yeah. And when you think the thought, he's stressed up, he's stressed up, he's stressed up, he's stressed up. what happens to you? So you get stressed out, no? right? So, if you don't think he's stressed out, he's stressed out, he's stressed out, what happens to you? If, if, I'm not asking you not to have the thinking. If. Just if. If la, right? So, you don't know what he's doing right now, right? He could be uh, having a good time. You don't know, right? And you are here, he's stressed out. My son is stressed out. Chamel, You know, so, if you think these thoughts, You get very stressed up. But, what if you don't? What if? Just what if? Uncle, I'm not asking you not to think stressful thoughts. I'm not asking that at all. Okay, let's do this first. Do you see any peaceful reason to hold on to this idea? He's stressed up, he's stressed up, he's stressed up. Do you see anything that's worth holding on to about this thought. Right. There's nothing worth holding on to because whether or not he's stressed, these thoughts are making you stressed up. Right? Whether or not he's stressed up and that is his side, you can't change that, you can't change him. But whether however it is, when you think these thoughts, you get stressed out. Do you see any benefit? I'm not asking you not to think like that. You're just looking at the truth. You just want to look at the truth. And let the truth tell us what is stressful or not stressful. These thoughts, are they peaceful or stressful? Right, right. So is it worth thinking? Mm-hmm. So, you can think like this because if you just try to let it go and let it be, the, when the mind doesn't understand, it will still continue to think. So therefore, we need to bring wisdom into the mind. We need to bring some wisdom in and ask, is it necessary? Is it useful? We are contemplating on the drawbacks. What are the drawbacks of these thoughts? The more you think about it, What happens to you? Yeah, contemplate on that. When I think this thought, what happens to me? This is a meditation. What happens to me when I think this thought, stress up, he's stressed up, he's stressed up. Well, I get stressed up. Yeah, so the more you think like that, the more the mind gets it. I'm not asking you not to think like that. as parents, yes, I understand. I don't get what you're saying. But if you think as parents, you need to suffer your children's suffering I think there's something off about that. That when your children suffer, you have to suffer along with them. I think there's something off about that. If you suffer along with them, you're not a good help. If I'm suffering, I want to look for somebody who's not suffering who can help me. If somebody else is also has a big problem, how to help me? So, if you really want to help, we need to help ourselves first. Otherwise, how are we going to help others? The mind is stressed up. The mind is stressed up over here. The mind is stressed up over there. It'll be just more stressed when you talk. Say yellow, yellow, suffering low. <laughs> right? So consider that the mind might be wanting to go there and then, okay, the mind wants to go there and come back. If not, we have to try the other methods, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you can, you can work on this level. Yeah. So what happens? Is there any benefit at all to continue to think like that? He's stressed up, he's stressed up, he's stressed up. Is there benefit at all? It might not just go to, he's stress up, then he goes to the worried and all. He might have a tough time, he might not be able to sleep, he might not be able to eat well and, oh gosh, he's a father, yeah. <laughs> and this, thoughts, this worrying thoughts about our children is not helpful it's not helpful to us, it's not helpful to them isn't that true? yeah, see for yourself, what's true what's true what if tomorrow morning you wake up and this thought doesn't come up what if miraculously it wouldn't come up even if you wanted it to when you think of your son you don't think he's stressed up you just think of a person who trying his best? What happens if you wake up in the morning not having this thought and he's stressed up? What happened to you? What would happen to you? Not about the past. The past is the past. What if tomorrow morning you wake up and you just don't have the thought that your son is stressed up? Well, whether or not he is or not. The mind doesn't hold on to this idea. It's an idea, this is not your son, it's an idea. And the is holding on to? What if the mind doesn't hold it? What if what if? I'm not asking you what to do. I'm not asking you to do something. You're just considering. How would the mind be if it's released from this thought? How would it be? Just imagine. Do you dare to imagine? Well, when we say we just leave it as it is, there is a bit of anger inside there. Because the mind doesn't want to think it. I don't want to think this anymore. It's not letting go. That's not letting go. When we say, oh, I just leave it, I don't want to think about it anymore, I just let go. A lot of times when we say that, probably all the times, we are not letting go. We are trying to cut it off. Try to ignore it. And that's what what I mean by just now the attitude. Because the attitude comes from that side. The mind has anger towards these thoughts. So it's trying to push it away. When you push it away, it doesn't really go away. Because the mind hasn't let go of it yet. One side is holding and the other side is pushing. So it has a conflict. And therefore this conflict will make it even harder for us. We can get stressed out without knowing why we should get stressed out. Because we'll try to ignore it. Don't you see? By the same time it's holding. So it's up to you, lah. <laughs> yeah? It's up to you. <laughs> I'm to make you change your mind. But just to allow you to consider. Just what if? But perhaps for you, you can't get to that point yet. You need to contemplate more on the drawbacks of holding on to these thoughts. You need know, see how these thoughts are making life difficult for you, making life miserable for you, without any benefit. Your son doesn't benefit from it, you don't benefit of it, you need to look at it again and again and again. Until you gets it, the mind gets it, oh yeah, that's true. And don't push it away, don't try to get rid of it. Just by seeing the truth that these thoughts creates suffering, that's it. These thoughts do what? And when we suffer over certain thoughts so much about children, we even try not to think about children. Because we are afraid that we think about it, then we suffer. So we end up distancing from them. Or we end up distancing from something about them. At least that part. I don't want to know that part. I don't want to know, I don't feel it. Because knowing it would mean I would feel it. I would feel something. Right? Because that's how the mind works. I don't read minds yeah, but I know how that's how the mind works. Try not to think. Try not to think. And that itself is stressful. (laughs) It creates stress.
0: Because it comes from anger. I think that's enough for the night.